Peace of Mind and I'm Kaylee Frost, the Head of Clinical Support at Health Assured and today I'm joined by Matt and I'm not going to take away Matt's um, opportunity to do an introduction to himself so I'm going to let you go for it. Perfect, yeah, so uh, yeah, thanks for having me first and foremost. Um, yeah, so Matt Balfour, I am the founder of a company called Let's Go Wellbeing. We help organisations to create more engaged, healthier workforces with a reduced cost of absence. Primarily that's done through the delivery of mental health first aid yes. alongside um, various wellbeing and inclusion workshops that are delivered in conjunction with your good selves at Health Assured. Yes. Um, that's everything from menopause, neurodiversity, men's mental health, etc. Um, there's also um, a YouTube channel that we run, um, yeah. also by the same no name, so that's at Let's Go Wellbeing on YouTube. For, it's there if anyone's yeah, watching, yeah. if anyone's watching good, the good. video, you've got it there. Brilliant. And um, yeah, that is used to help wellbeing and inclusion leaders um, make the conversation about yeah. physical health, uh, mental wellbeing, and inclusion more accessible. So, the way that we do that is cover um, the kind of various awareness days throughout the year yeah, um, and, and the themes that go with them. So recently that's been things like World Menopause Day, um, International Men's Day, Black yeah. History Month, yeah. World Suicide Prevention Day, World Mental Health Day, um, Alcohol Awareness Week. You, you just go it. on. Don't yeah, they? Let, yeah, they, yeah, there's something for everything which is amazing because mm. every every week there's something new to be celebrating and championing but the likes of you and I we want to just make that consistent. You know, Every day should be championing over like well-being and inclusion and um anything that just feels uncomfortable to talk about i think as well you know on a daily basis so sure. but you do a fantastic job with that i um, mean your accolades and the the stuff that you do with health assured is kind of just never ending you come and regularly speak um for at, with our clients at our events here in in uh, manchester as well so thank you for for coming uh, and joining me today sure um really excited about this this session um this session this episode mm -hmm. uh, on physical well-being um it's something we get asked a lot about uh, we hone in on 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 physical well-being through some of the episodes of peace of mind sure. um and it's something that our counsellors always talk about on the helpline, you know, do you get out and about, do some exercise, but let's, I want to break it down about how physical well-being and physical health tie in with mental health and mm -hmm. mental and, and, and emotional well-being. And you have a background in physical health, don't you? I do, yeah. So just to kind of cap off there, you've got the kind of let's go well-being, that's the workshops that I do with yeah. yourselves in Mental Health First Aid, you've got the YouTube channel, then there's also Let's Go Transformation, yeah. which is um, basically designed to help people um, save time, lose inches and reduce stress in yeah. 90 days or less. And it, and it does that by um, providing a program yeah. that people can um, use to get the time and attention that they'd want from a personal trainer, aka yeah. yours truly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, alongside the flexibility to get results in their own time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm also a trained PT as yeah. well. And, um, and yeah, I guess in terms of the, the, the importance of physical well-being to mental health for me yeah um, there's there's no aspect of well-being that kind of stands on its own in a silo they, yeah. they're all interlinked they all kind absolutely of, yeah. yeah you know uh, cross over at some point whether it's environmental financial yeah physical mental yeah. you name it yeah and I guess if we're talking about what is the importance of physical well-being to mental health I'd, I'd probably have to start with my personal kind of well-being journey yeah um, and, and how I actually, you know, came to sit here today um, yeah, yeah, as the owner of Let's Go Wellbeing. So, you know, my personal story kind of goes back to, with wellbeing at least, goes back to sort of 2015. 
and I was um, I was actually sat at my desk. I was working in executive search, which is a form of recruitment at the yeah. time. And um, yeah, I got a phone call to say that I had a, a close family member that had um, that had died by suicide. You just got the phone call there. Out I got of the, the blue. phone call. Yeah, 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 yeah. and. Um, you know, to say that uh, things kind of went downhill from then would yeah. be a bit of an understatement. Um, I ended up spending, for example, that Christmas um, alone, yeah. um, out of a job. And um, yeah, I, I ended up um, about a year down the line walking into a boxing gym. Um, four stone overweight, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, wow. I know you wouldn't, wouldn't believe it yeah, now, would you? Yeah, gosh. Four stone overweight and proceeded really to use the... Um, to channel, use that environment and the, the kind of the aspects of physical well-being that's obviously present in a boxing gym to, yeah. to channel what was a negative experience um, into something that I had control over. Yeah. 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 And um, I would say that that was kind of incremental to me actually sitting here now because that led to me then actually realizing, hey, you know, this, this physical aspect of well-being is so important to my mental health. Yeah. Um, I then kind of got the bug you know, ended up training up as a, I became gradually known as the fitness guy, yeah. trained up as a PT. Then I thought, well, actually I need something that kind of adds a bit of credibility in terms of this, this mental aspect of it as well, because that's where it started. It was this uh, deficit, this thing that I was missing with my mental well-being that led me to look for something physical and, and yeah. vice versa. So then um, I trained up as a mental health first aid instructor and um, well, the, the, the rest, rest is history. Yeah. Like that's like the it's almost like the perfect journey in terms of moving into the well-being space. You know, what, that talk about career transition, like that's quite the career transition. Sure. Um, and what you find as well is usually people that make that transition into the well-being space will never leave it again. Um, like I could never imagine myself leaving this space of being, you know, in a role that supports people in one way or another. And I'm sure mm. you'll say you're never, you're never going to stop speaking about the benefits of looking after your overall well-being the ways to do that training people and imparting that that experience that you've had sure. as well and changing things for people which is just yeah so rewarding for, for me in terms of the, the biggest kind of I guess reward from working in this space is is that it's purpose-driven yeah you know you kind of go from the corporate kind of world where it's you, you're focused on targets and commissions and, yeah, and yeah, money and yeah. bonuses and okay that's got its benefits but it, it for, for me um what it what it what I came to realize especially as I was on my journey um was that it, it wasn't purpose-driven it wasn't fulfilling yeah um I didn't feel like I was adding value to people yeah and um yeah I think there's there's definitely an aspect of um having a physical purpose yes. um that is that serves really well as a protective factor yeah. when it comes to somebody's mental well-being yeah so there's something that I, I tend to talk about um, in most of the workshops because it, it, it tends to have its place in, in all conversations about well-being. But, you know, let's just say um, I was going to ask you to, you know, um, take an hour in a room alone and find your life's purpose. Yeah, I know, big question, <laughs> but wh where would you start? Just, I wouldn't know where to start. Right. Um, I'd probably... I'd probably just kind of hone in on like, look, what, what's happening for me right now? Mm -hmm. You know, who, uh, who, what, whose life does, I'd look at whose life I make a difference in, you know, like look at your nearest and dearest. I think it'd be a really hard one if you say that for an hour, that you'd end up getting tied up in knots mm. almost. And I think if you're not in the right headspace yourself, you start to become, I think, quite self 
doubtful and yeah so, so the reason I ask that is because um, there is um, a, a Japanese concept it's called ikigai Right. Ikigai. Ikigai. Okay. So it's okay. um, yeah, it's a combination of two words. It's iki meaning life and gai meaning purpose. Okay. So you you combine the two together. You get yeah. ikigai, and it means it literally translates to your life's purpose. Okay. And um, the idea, just to come back to this question of well, where would you start? Mm -hmm. Ikigai is based on something that you love. Yeah. Something that the world needs. Yeah. Something that you're good at, and something that you can get paid for. And at the intersection of those four things is your ikigai, your life's purpose. Oh my God. Now, it goes a bit okay. further than that. It goes okay. a bit further than that. So in terms of, I guess, um, the proof being in the pudding, let's say, um, there are these areas of the world known as blue zones. Blue zones. Yes, right, there's okay. been a recent Netflix documentary that's, that's covered it. So you may have watched it. No, Those not of yet. you that are watching later right. may already have watched it. Okay. But, but long story short, a blue zone, if you've not heard of it, is an area of the world where there's a, a high percentage of the population that live to the age 100 or above. Right? All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, Nicoya in Costa Rica is one of yeah. them. Um, Singapore is another. That's it. And Okinawa, the island of Okinawa in Japan, yeah. is another one. So they've got something along the lines of it, I think it's around 68 people per 100,000 that live to the age of 100, right? Yeah. Just to give it some context, in the UK, as of Census Day 2021, uh, specifically England and Wales, yeah. that same metric was like 22 or 23. Oh, that's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gosh. So, you know, purpose, physical purpose yeah. in, in, the, in the physical world and mental health. Yeah. Yeah. All, all comes together. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah, ikigai. Yeah, ikigai. <laughs> so go into you know, your personal journey. Before you entered that boxing ring, was yes. before what happened to you and your, that, you know, the experience that you had sure. in your life, absolutely awful, by the way. So I'm really, really sorry to, to hear that. And sure. um, before that, and like up until that point, was well-being other than i guess financial you know well-being in in the in the this is really wobbly by it the way so i'm really bit. sorry um apart from the financial kind of gains that you're having in the recruitment world mm. were you prioritizing other elements of your well-being you know was physical well-being up there for you and and really looking after number one but not necessarily from a money i can't say it was no i can't no. say it was and, and this is this is where the kind of the epiphany that moment of kind of enlightenment came to me once i started yeah. that journey because yeah it's great if you've got one part of the kind of the picture of well-being um kind of dialed in and boxed off but if if the others are suffering then you as a whole holistically that's where we get the zone, holistic yeah, well-being. yeah you're still going to suffer so you know you're earning all that money but then you're working long hours you're getting close to burnout you're eating poorly you're not yeah. exercising drinking excessive amounts yeah, of coffee yeah. and or alcohol, depending yeah. on the industry you work in. Yeah. Um, that was definitely the case in recruitment, yeah, for me yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, no, it wasn't. wasn't and wasn't. and it, it was as much as, you know, it takes two to tango. So obviously the, you know, the person has to want to do something about it, yeah. but the environment, the physical environment that they're operating in has to be conducive to that. Yeah. Um, so if we talk about organizations, you know, are there examples in the workplace? Are there opportunities in the workplace to be, to be physically active? Um, is it a message that's kind of dialed in and being, um, what's the word, cascaded down yeah. from, you know, the senior leadership? Yeah, and you want um, it from the top down. If they're leading by example, it's all well and good going, we've got a physical wellbeing policy, mm. read that. If no, if no one's showing it, look, it's this easy, I can do it myself. You know, I can find the time as a senior leader. Mm -hmm. 
that's the perfect way to, and, to be and, doing and, it. And it was it was the opposite. In, oh in, yeah. in my experience. Stand, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And um, I mean there was a, there was a stat from um, I think it was a report by UK Active um, last year now and it was uh, that forty four percent of UK SMEs do not provide um, or allow for time for or pro do not provide for time for their employees to be physically active throughout the working day. Yeah. Forty four percent. And when you you know, it, it can be a bit misleading when you use the term SMEs because you think, oh, well, it's just like really small businesses, but an, an SME by definition is anything is any business with under five hundred employees. Yeah, yeah. That's Which a lot a of businesses. I mean, yeah. does, does Health Assured have? Health Assured's less than that. Health Assured's SME. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Case in point. Exactly. Um, go, going on to that, uh, what was that? I should have written it down then. Um, kind of just rewinding slightly, you know, going to the fact that you didn't prioritize yourself your, your health you know like you didn't nourish yourself financially and you weren't you're necessarily looking after your emotional well-being when crisis point hits mm -hmm. you always have to just learn everything from scratch build those foundations in a really hostile state of mind and being and it's really difficult it's really hard to learn something new as well the older you get you know learn how to Put good habits. Trying, excuse me, what are you trying to say? No, we just, you know, I'd say anything beyond a teenager. Like as soon as I hit my twenties, I was like nothing, nothing yeah. sinking in. Yeah, I bet. Um, and then thirties even worse. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really hard if you've not put those foundations and mechanisms in place. If a crisis hits, and you don't have some form of like self-soothing practice, whether that be meditation or breathing exercises or going out for a run yeah. or cooking a hearty meal, you know things. To look after yourself it takes so much longer to kind of pull yourself into a, a state where you're looking after yourself so it, it's so important to start thinking about having certain things in place because crisis points challenges really um you know huge life changes can come at any moment in anyone's life sure. and if you don't have certain things in place then it's going to be harder for you to bounce back and i guess that kind of leads into resilience overall but it's the same i think you know if we're looking at physical well-being and oh i'm just messing with the mic there and that's probably made all sorts of noises um i think so when i so I was mentioning before we started recording, I had a personal trainer last, last year. It was fantastic. One of the best things I did because of accountability, um, learning new things. You know, I was terrified of the gym, but, th but this is it. I'd got to, at, at that point, I was 31 or 30 or 31 when I started on that journey. Sure. And I had been in the gym like four or five times in my adult life. So I was terrified. You know, well, I, I was going to say, so was it just the not just, but was it the lack of frequency that kind of, you said, terrifies you? What was it about the gym that terrified you? I think a classic thing of, typically, I mean, I'm not speaking for every um, female mm -hmm. with low self-esteem, but typically it was, what are people gonna think of me? Right. I don't know what I'm doing. I thought, so I was going, doing it for a, a weight loss, fat loss, you know, program. That's what I, that was my purpose and I had a goal and all of this, but I, only associated the gyms with going on treadmills, doing cardio, that's what I thought I had to do. And as soon as I got given a weight training program, I was like, well, this is going to make me big. I don't want to be big. I want to be little. And so I completely had a, a warped understanding of what physical exercise 
was needed to achieve the goals and the health kind of levels that I and fitness levels that I wanted. Sure. So I just I linked gyms with big steadhead, you know, like spitting sawdust. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they'd laugh at me or there'd be tiny little, you know, women in there who'd be like, oh. but as soon as I realized, as soon as I was in my second or third session in the gym, mm. you realize no one is paying attention. So what's going on with someone else? Because they're all, they're in their own head. They're in the gym for a reason as well. Absolutely. One thing that um, kind of being in the boxing ring taught me was that um, you know your imagination is is always worse than reality. Yeah, and especially if you don't if you have confidence problems mm -hmm. or you know challenges with self esteem, can your imagination gets out of control. Sure. And but I was very very quickly realised everyone else in here is in the same boat as me and they're going to the gym because in most instances they might not like something about themselves and they're very conscious about that as mm -hmm. well. So again, that was one of the things, I remember my first session I asked my my coach if he could meet me outside the front because I was really anxious as well about what, I don't know where I'm going when I go into this gym, I've never been in it before, where's the changing room? Sure. People are going to look at me and, and think, oh, that, that's the per this person's first time in the gym and yeah. they don't even know how to get to the changing Maybe. rooms. Ha 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 ha. And I just thought, this is just too much for me. I know I'm not the only person that thinks that, you know, when I spoke with my coach about it, and he was like, you and nearly every other client that I've worked with, realising it was just a very common thing. Um, and then even that, so working with the, the, the trainer, the personal trainer, he would always say to me, so it's not even those, I looked forward to my sessions. It was really good, you know, learning something new, achieving PBs and moving up to the next weight and sure. doing more reps and so on. Um, but those three hours a week that I met with him weren't even making that much of an impact you know, in terms of my overall health. It was everything else that he was setting me to do. 12,000 steps a day, three litres of water, you know, increasing the water intake. So I was rubbish with, with water intake. Um, I obviously had certain macro goals, but you know, you can move macros to one side. What you want is, is health. You want to nourish your body, get the, the, the goodness in. I'm not here telling people they need to start doing, you know, fat loss journeys and programs and stuff. But that was just my experience with sure. it. All of that was, and the consistency, you know, hitting those steps every day, getting fresh air, being out in sunlight, mm -hmm. you don't realize how much of a difference that makes. Yes, those three hours in the gym were teaching me new ways of strength, and um, it was it was it was like a hobby essentially. It was really nice to do, and I really looked forward to it. It was everything else that was playing a part that he'd set me in my program that was actually changing my mindset completely. Yeah, you made it a way of life. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to this kind of short-term thing that you were going to kind of, um, I guess, engage with while the going was good, get yeah. what you needed out of it, and then just kind of never see it again until yes. maybe the next year. Yeah. And I think that's that's definitely where, um, you know, a lot of people maybe struggle when it comes to keeping consistency, which is yes. key to getting results yeah. with physical well-being, yeah. is, is the idea that it's going to be like this short-term thing that they can kind of box away in a cupboard until the next time round. Yeah. You don't you don't want to start the journey again. Yeah. Um, because it's 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 just as hard. It's not like it's gonna be easier to start Absolutely. again. It's probably even harder because you're thinking about the work that you put in and having to do all of that again. So yeah. much easier is to is to adopt a mindset that um, it is it is a lifestyle choice. Yes. I, I'll never forget I had um, I, I had a manager when I was first starting on this journey and I was still kind of 
working in, in different kind of, mm. in this case, again, it was recruitment. Yeah. Um, and the guy came over to me and like I was known for kind of, you know, going to the gym. I was going a couple of times a day at this point. I was really, really? Getting, yeah, yeah, I was really getting dialed in. I mean, it was, it was part of the coping strategy with yeah, what, I, yeah, what yeah. I was kind of going through and, and also just me just kind of ramping things up. But the point was that he, he came over to me the one time, he says, oh, how's your diet going? And just instinctively, I turned and I says, no, no, it's not diet. It's, it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. Yep. And um, well, he didn't take too kindly to that because I corrected him in front of everybody. But the point yeah. is that um, it, it's true. It was a lifestyle choice because when you say something like a diet, it implies this short-term yeah. thing. Instantly in your mind, it, it's not going to be something that you're going to be doing in you know, 6, 12, 18 months' time. Yeah. Um, and that's not conducive to being um, you know, consistent when it comes to physical well-being and yeah. getting results. That, so it, that was exactly what happened with me. Mm. Um, I saw it. So whilst I look, so I lived, I lived for going for the sessions every week. Me, I was really competitive with myself and getting the steps every day and logging the water and all of that. Um, but when I stopped working with my coach in person, I let it all fall apart. And I, and I felt like I let him down as well. I was like, he always talked to me about lifestyle. And, and but I think, so I had, I was going through my own mental health journey as well. So sure. finishing up with some counselling and stuff for my own, you know, and it's almost like it all, it all needed to come together in its own way. So, you know, three or four months where it's kind of like, oh, it's just too much. I can't focus on my exercising and this mental health journey. And I just couldn't see that the you two need, and separated yeah, them, yeah. rather than okay. bringing them together as a, just a new enhanced version of me that's mm. working on a mental health and working on just moving and nourishing my body and stuff like that every day back in a different place now you know it's just i always saw it as an all or nothing like an, a program that you stuck to for a, a limited amount of time and then stopped exactly how you just explained it and and i think it's it's okay if that happens to people as long as you don't just give up completely you don't have to be all or nothing commit to weight training as well as this start off with just making sure you're moving don't even track your steps every day yes. make a conscious effort to maybe just get out for 20 minutes and i some again you have to force yourself and everyone talks about motivation and i was i was watching i, lo I love tiktok so i was watching i saw a tiktok video yesterday and it was actually quite timely because even i was thinking like right Thank goodness. So when, as we're recording this now, we're coming up to Christmas, but it's not going to be out for a little while. But um, New Year's Day is a Monday next year, this year, isn't it? And I was like, oh my God, that's the ultimate day to start. And I thought, why am I just going to let myself go for the next two weeks? I can still make good choices, still get outside, get some fresh air, still do stuff. Um, anyway, so, so I saw this TikTok and I was like, oh yeah. Um, and it was, it was something about like, God, how do you become motivated? How do you become motivated? And actually motivation is a byproduct of taking actions. Yes. Like love, love is a byproduct of actions that you take with other people, you know, going out, dating, meeting people, sure. forming friendships and relationships. And motivation, you don't just become born a motivated person. You just have to rip off the plaster do something and when you start to see or feel a change that's when the motivation kicks in like this is a great amazing almost like infectious feeling yes. you see body changes you're you're not out of breath when you're running about you know that that kind of stuff that's i mean it really sparked something with me and i was like yeah i'm just gonna have to wake up and give myself a kick up the bum and not wait for january the first because it's the ultimate monday it. yeah yeah exactly. yeah absolutely i think um even just going back to what you were saying earlier about you know um people in you know when, when you reach crisis point, um, success 
Yeah. Along with failure, leaves breadcrumbs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. nobody nobody wakes up one day an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah that starts yeah. years, even decades before, yeah. and and, it, yeah. and and it's the same with somebody that you know ends up in a crisis, yeah. uh, whatever that might be to to do with. There are breadcrumbs of success and failure. There are things that you were doing or not doing in the past that have led to that point. And it's the same with if you were going to, you know, be taking up, uh, you know, some kind of fitness regime in the new year. Yeah. Um, it, it, it needs to start beforehand. Um, like you say, it comes from taking action, starting before you're ready. Yeah. For example, and I, I was even, it's going to sound a bit weird. I was, I was having this chat in the sauna the other day, actually, <laughs> as, as you do, right? And, um, I was, I was talking to this guy and I was saying, well, I like to go for a Christmas day 10K. I, I, I mean, that's not my it, cup of tea, but no, I, get, I know the people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not for everybody. And yeah. I'm not sitting here saying that yeah. that's exactly what you should do. Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's all going to be doom and gloom. I'm saying that, that for, for me, um, well, I've got my reasons for doing that. But for me, yeah. what I see is, you know, it'll get to like maybe December the 10th and people yeah. will just switch off and think, yeah. right, that's it, holiday yeah. period. And it's like, well, you know, for a, a, a habit to be... Um, successful it needs to be consistent yeah um and so starting having something just you know like you say it doesn't necessarily need to be all or nothing yeah but you need to have something in there something that keeps you moving something that you're keeping an eye on whether it's about your hydration whether it's about kind of getting out and walking yeah um that needs to kind of be in place those breadcrumbs need to be laid yeah. before the first of january otherwise it's um it it's like a a weight that just becomes insurmountable and, and even harder to kind of get off your chest and actually start yeah. something on January the 1st or whenever it is. So yeah, start before you're ready. Don't don't leave it to Monday. Don't start Monday. Don't no. start the 1st of next month. Start, do something today. And it doesn't mean you don't have to go sign up to a 12-month gym contract and all singing, all dancing. Start today by maybe, yeah, get, getting outside, getting some fresh air, go take... I, I always find that mine's, I just need to force myself to do something after work is mine. Right. And I'm like, right, you know what? Instead of going home, I'm gonna go the long way home mm -hmm. and get a couple of thousand of steps in. And you know, do something they say, don't wait, don't put it off. Cause that is mine, um, my biggest downfall. That's really my weaknesses. I'll just start. Well, that, well, that's the, well, that's the thing, you know, um, like I say, you, your imagination's always worse than reality. And I think yeah. um, it, it can, you can be your own biggest enemy. Sometimes yeah. you just have to kind of get out of your own way. Yeah. Uh, and, and in that sense, what I like to say is that you don't eat an elephant all at once. <laughs> Or at all. Yeah, or at all. Yeah. Uh, but the point is that um, the, the, the elephant is when you leave it until something like January the 1st. There are yeah. loads of little things that you can be doing. It doesn't necessarily need to be yeah. that you've signed up for a half marathon. Yeah. Although if you have, that's great. Yeah. Um, it can be, like you say, these little things that you're doing on a daily basis that build yeah. up to the point that. So when it's time to actually, you know, when it's actually game time, it's not such a big step. It's yeah. not like it's a big leap. It's just a, it's a tiny step because it, yeah. it feels natural. It's consistent. It's part of your lifestyle very good way of putting it i'm gonna have to like li keep listening to this back you have to give me an early recording like edit of the recording uh, okay right so we did have some we've gone in all sorts of directions which i love yeah, um yeah. so we what i want to is for people to take some really useful practical i mean not what we haven't talked about is already is useful mm -hmm. um but how can people start making physical well-being fun because lots of people do just see it as mm -hmm. going to the gym and maybe i can't afford the gym or maybe the gym just does not appeal to me um or i haven't got one close to me or it just just seems like the worst thing in the world what ways can people start making physical activities fun mm. so 
thinking about this question, um, so I'm covering my hands here, it's probably not good for the mic. That's fine, don't worry. Um, I keep messing with yeah. it. So. <laughs> so thinking about this question, I thought about it from more of a, a business perspective, like if a yeah. business leader was going to make physical well-being fun for, yeah. for their employees, but it would apply to individuals as well. Yeah. Uh, and actually I had a series of my own questions to actually ask, to yeah. actually kind of provide the answers. Yeah, yeah, go for So it. the first question was, um, who doesn't like winning? Right. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'm talking about the idea of adding uh, game mechanics, yeah. such as point scoring, competition, rules of engagement into non-game environments, such yeah. as the workplace. Yeah. So gamification, as it's called, is, is an easy way to make the hard stuff fun um, while incentivizing um, the, the behaviors that you want that are going to yeah. have a benefit for both employee and employer. So. An example of how you might do that, where well, you would need uh, a platform to, to obviously, um, you know, track things. So that might be a Fitbit, a Garmin, a Strava, yeah. um, et cetera, MyZone. Yeah. Uh, you need quantifiable metrics. So that might be, you know, steps, um, steps taken in a day, flights yeah. of stairs climbed, um, yeah. or um, um, what's the other one? Steps taken in a day, flights of stairs climbed. Um, or, or miles round yeah, a week, yeah, just for example. Kilometers, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then an appropriate, uh, that's the key word there, appropriate prize or incentive, such yeah. as, you know, HelloFresh subscription or... Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, vouchers for, vouchers towards, you know, some sort of wearable tech, you know? Yeah, that's a really good idea. So we've got on, this is a really shameless plug, on our app. Wisdom. Um, yeah, on Wisdom. There's um, leaderboards. There so you, you can set up a leaderboard within your organisation. And on our old app as well, we also had that. And I used to do that internally as well, in January as well, uh, just because I needed the incentivization as well. I'd set up like a company-wide um, step challenge. And then it was like, um, I think it was a, a bougie, you know, a top-level Fitbit was the prize or something like that. I can't remember. And then, and then another time it was like, like a Joe Malone candle, you know, you know, like really like stuff you're never going to buy yourself. It's some some really lovely reward, um, and people went absolutely bonkers on that. People to get more points and steps and get ahead on the leaderboard. People did start running. People that I never expected to be out there running. They're there like, go. I'm going to win this. But it was because, and, and also the leaderboard was visible by everyone. People liked that. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't win, unfortunately, but it was still good to take part and be like, I know I'm ahead of such a body. Mm -hmm. So I feel good about that. Um, Cause I know that they're a keen rambler or whatever, you know, th those types of things. Sure. Um, so that's a really good one. So obviously anyone that's got health assured has got wisdom can set up leaderboards. There so that's, so ga gamification is one Perfect, way. Perfect, I think that's fun. Who doesn't like to win? Um, another way that we can make well-being fun is um, physical well-being fun is about um, is, is, is thinking about well, how are we kind of normalising the conversation? Yeah. Um, and by that, what I'm talking about is are we using language and scenarios that people can relate to yeah. in order that they can see themselves engaging with and receiving a benefit? Yeah. So if you think about something like um, HIT or high-intensity interval training, some people. Some people hear the words high intensity and yeah. switch off. Yeah. It's just not for them. Yeah. Um, if you think about something like running, yeah. um, for some people, it's a way of life. M myself included, you know, this year I've, I've, done, I've done half marathons um, in, the, in, in Wales at Penny Van, um, yeah. the Black Mountains, Mendip Hills. Um, I've been as far as, you know, Kranjkogora in Slovenia to oh do my half God. marathons. Oh, wow. I, you know, I love it. I go out yeah. to the Malvern Hills on a regular basis. That's, that's my thing. Yeah. But for other people, 
the furthest that they're ever going to run is to the bus stop. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. You yeah. Know, to each his own. Yeah. The point is that you've probably got a mixture of all these types of people in mm -hmm. your organization. Uh, and the last thing that you want to do is kind of provide for one while alienating the other. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to normalizing the conversation, we want to think about, I would say three things. Um, you know, is the, is the initiative informative? Because generally, if people know better, they'll do better. Yeah. Um, is it accessible, meaning minimal barriers to entry in terms of um, price or equipment that they might need? Yeah. yeah. And, and also, is it sustainable, meaning that regardless of their job title or location, uh, they can incorporate it into their daily lives, um, into their lives on a daily basis? Yeah. So the, the, the conversation in, in that sense could start with something as simple as regular comms about things in our physical environment that affect our our well-being, yeah. right? So if you take something like the link between blood sugar and hypervigilance, yeah. you know, anxiety, yeah. um, you could point out something like, you could signpost something like the glycemic index, which yeah. is an index yeah. of the, 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 the impact that different wild carbohydrates have on your blood sugar. Yeah. Um, and you can use that to help people make more informed choices about the food they eat throughout the working day to avoid peaks and troughs in energy yeah. and reduce anxiety. I could do with some of that. That would be really good, actually. Yeah. I'm already thinking about that. Like, mm, that might be something really good, actually, yeah. for us to do. Um, okay, that's fantastic. Um, I was thinking, so things on like a personal level then, mm -hmm. again, you're not, if you're not a runner, you're not this, you're not that, you're trying to find like different ways for people. I was thinking about something that worked for me. It didn't necessarily work. So, because sometimes we're all so busy. Mm -hmm. We're running around, we're doing this, we're doing that. Um, and sometimes I think we forget like, you know, we're trying to cram X, Y, Z in and we think that exercise is, doesn't always, or just be, just moving doesn't always come high up on the list mm -hmm. if we're so wrapped up in that. So something that I, I got really into earlier this year was um, I found I was just running around and my partner and I, we just didn't have any time for each other. Sure. He was, he'd always be like, oh, you, you know, busy with work or you're traveling with work or we're just, we're running around and seeing everyone, but we never spend time together. So we went, we started going swimming together nice. and he will hate that I've said this, but he's not the best swimmer. And I used to be a very, very good swimmer. Right. So I really enjoyed it because I would show him better techniques, you know, just for breaststroke. And I felt like, we're like a little old couple, you know, just bobbing along, doing a, a few lengths together, but we got to catch up while we were doing it. So it was time, so we were moving, getting our heart rate up Love and um, getting out of the house, which is really important. But we're also catching up and having a laugh and something that I was good at and he wasn't as good at, it just, I don't know, bought us, it was really good quality time. So doing really, I never thought that a real big win for my personal relationship and getting moving would be going swimming you know i think oh, swimming's for kids um uh, and and that was that was something and and it didn't you know swimming baths you can go for a swim for a couple of quid you know it's, it's yeah, pretty decent cheap and, and the good thing about swimming as an example um i mean number one i like i like the the, um, the use case there of, of actually kind of incorporating people that are in your life yeah. into that fitness regime. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Link, linking it to something. I think linking your fitness regime to something that's bigger than yourself is really mm. important. Yes. We spoke at the beginning about, um, you know, your motivation to, yeah. you know, kind of engage with that coach last year. And, and part of that was wanting to get into a wedding dress. Yeah. Right? Oh, no, not a bridesmaid Sorry, dress. Sorry, apologies. I'm not... <laughs> A, a dress that you were going to use to attend a wedding, yeah. A, a My bride, fellow listeners to this will be like, what wedding? Yeah, what wedding, <laughs> sorry, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, your motivation was to, to, to look at an address, a bridesmaid address at a wedding. So that yeah. was something that was bigger than yourself to yeah. hold yourself accountable to. Yeah. In, in this case that you've just kind of mentioned as well, it was about, okay, so how can I spend more quality time with my partner? Yeah, Again, yeah. it's bigger than just you. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's something that's really important when it comes to um, whichever, whichever activity you want to engage in um, is, is um, finding things that, you know, keep you accountable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's low, I would really recommend incorporating it with like socialising and quality time with people. When I, when I look back at some of the most invigorating experiences I've had, I tend to have been with friends. I'm a really big Harry Potter fan um, and, that, and that divides a lot of people and I get that. But there's just something, it just sits with me from being a kid. You my, know, son, it's my just, son loves Harry Potter. Really? Yeah. I think How old's your son? He's, he's, he's 12. He's 12. But I think, I think we're of a... It's uh, for all ages. It's for all ages, but I think we're of a generation where it came out when we were kind of... The actually, same age as the kids. As the ki exactly. Yeah. And, right. it, and it really meant something... Uh, so there's a, in one of the, the Deathly Hallows films, they, mm. um, they're on that... Um, cliff top that's all like separated stones and they're there and they've got the tent and stuff when they're out looking for the horcrux. Mm -hmm. I never thought that I'd bring Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows into an episode of this. Um, but yeah, so you can go and visit that. And I think it's just in, um, I think it's in the Peak District. Mm -hmm. So I went with one of my best friends and I thought, and I didn't know that that's where we were going to be going. Um, but she chose it. She was like, Kay she's always like, Kaylee, let's get you out for a hike. And I'm like, oh, God, fine. And we did it, if so we, we got. If we have to, if we have to, <laughs> she's like, I'll do a picnic. I'm like, right, okay, yeah, brilliant. I'm there. Um, and she was like, you'll really like where we're going. Mm -hmm. um, and she, so we got to spend a whole day together, which again we never get to do. I felt brilliant, you know, because I didn't know what to expect either. So I felt really brilliant. And then we got to the top, and I was like, oh my god, this is the, the famous place from Harry Potter, sure. where you know they were there in the tent trying to find Horcruxes. So I don't know, it was just brilliant. And all my favourite times with that particular friend have usually been on when she's pushed me to just go for a big massive walk in the rain, the you know, the wind, or all all elements. Um, and I felt really you know, like, I want to do this again. You, you, and, but you've killed a lot of birds with one stone there. Yes. Um, and I think it's really important to, if it, if it doesn't come naturally to you to be physical mm. and active by nature like that, incorporate it, so just do it with people that you love. Absolutely, and I think um, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there as well. It, it, in terms of physical well-being, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be physical. Yeah, yeah. And that that might sound like a bit of a, a contradiction, and on the face of it, I guess it is. But really, what I'm trying to say is like being physical will help, but yeah. it's also important that you're aware of how the things in your physical environment will affect your well-being. It's a good way. So we yeah. speak about, as I mentioned just then, about you know awareness of you know sugary foods and how yeah. that can. Um, increase feelings of anxiety, for example. So, uh, it, feelings of anxiety and um, you know energy levels throughout the mm -hmm. day, um, but also um, things like your quality of sleep, screen yeah. screen time, for example. Yeah. If we take an example That's that a, everybody yeah. can relate to, um, there is um, a book that I read earlier this year. Um, it's been been a, a game changer for me. I'd recommend everybody gives it a read. There's a there's a review on the. Let's go well-being YouTube channel, oh, by, by the way. But uh, <laughs> it's called uh, Finding Inner Safety by uh, okay. a, a sleep doctor and physiologist called Dr. Narina Ramla Khan. Okay. It's called Finding Inner Safety, um, the key to um, healing trauma and um, avoiding burnout. Yeah. Right? So um, she, she talks about the idea that you know people only sleep when they feel safe. 
Yeah. Right. So, for example, uh, you know, I don't know how many kind of hotels you stay in on, yeah. a, on a kind of a regular basis, but how well do you sleep when you're in a hotel? I sleep so rubbish, rubbish. if my partner's not there, if, if not I'm there. on my own. Right. Literally last week I was in London mm -hmm. and I texted him the next morning I said, and it was a beautiful room, big bed all to myself. I was like, I just had so many bad dreams last night. And I, re I was like, it's because he it was, even though it winds me up, um, I was just like, he wasn't there. Yeah. And so, and so yeah. there's, you know, there are some people that, you know, you put them, you put a, a slab of rock down and they'll, somewhere, fall and they'll go yeah, to sleep. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. for most people, myself included, especially I'm traveling up and down doing workshops yeah. here, there and everywhere. And you know, you go to a hotel, it's a nice big bed, probably bigger than what you've got at home, yeah. bigger, bigger, fluffier pillows. Yeah. Why don't you sleep so well? Yeah. Well, in, in this book, she explains um, the four levels of safety. Okay. Right. So um, you've got um, consciously safe, yeah. unconsciously safe, consciously unsafe and unconsciously unsafe okay and the idea is that if you're out of your kind of normal environment yeah there's some part of your subconscious that knows that you are unconsciously unsafe or in a new or potentially threatening environment and that's what kind of stops you from sleeping yeah that's fascinating i never even thought about that yeah so so the point here is that she's talking about all right so how can we kind of get better at, at getting a better night's sleep um, and one of the things she talks about is actually ritualizing your kind of switching off process at the yeah. end of the night, like having non-negotiable actions that you take on a daily basis yeah. that ensure that you get a quality night's sleep. One of those for me is about screen time, managing my relationship with technology. Are you quite disciplined with it? Um, yes. I, I, well, I'm, I'm trying to be. I yeah, try to be. Yeah. One of the things that I do for sure is after a certain time in the evening, my phone goes on do not disturb. Yes. Yeah. Right? Same. That, that's the first thing, you know, I'm yeah. managing my accessibility. Yeah. Because right? yeah. otherwise, you know, I swear there's something on the phone that if you put it down, the app knows and then it'll start buzzing. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I, I don't know, have you noticed that when you put the phone down, it starts buzzing? Yeah. I don't think it's coincidence. Yeah. But the point <laughs> is, yeah, do, do not disturb. Um, and then I'm trying to limit it. Um, my exposure to screen time before I go to bed within yeah. the kind of the couple of hours before I go to bed. I don't really like to sit and watch TV, yeah. to be honest, because um, specifically in terms of physical things that affect our well-being, the excessive screen time, especially before bed, actually suppresses melatonin yeah. production. That's so melatonin is a hormone that is basically controls your circadian rhythm, your sleep-wake yeah. your sleep -wake cycle. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, there are high levels um, secreted in the nighttime when, when your body senses that the sun's going down um, and that's getting us ready to rest and go to sleep. Yeah. But there's something about the, the wavelengths from electronic devices that, um, that actually interferes with that, suppresses it. And it's the best example I can give is that if you've ever, I don't know, woken up at some obscure time, maybe gone to the toilet, come back and thought, oh, I'll just, I'll check my phone. Yeah. Just, just a cheeky, cheeky check on social media, see what's been going on at like one in the morning. Because, yeah. you know, it's going to be really important. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the next thing you know, it's like quarter past four and it's closer yeah. to the time where you need to get up. And that's, it's, it's that having an effect, you know, yeah. because it's, it's stopped the melatonin, which is obviously the thing that's keeping you, you know, in a position where you want to sleep. Yeah. So I forgot how I started this one, but in terms of being aware of the physical things in our environment um, that, that affect our well-being, that will be one of them uh, in terms of screen huge. time yeah. and your relationship with technology, is what I'm trying to say. That's and linking in with sleep hygiene, I think this links mm -hmm. into one of the things I find is if, if my, like, li my living environment or my environment around me is feels chaotic, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not in control as well. So my physical environment around me, whether that's my desk at work, mm. my, if my bedroom, you know, if there's piles of washing or the bed's not, you know, little things like that. 
they can have an impact in the so physical environment in that respect as well. And you know, if you, if you feel like your bedroom's upside down or whatever, that's going to impact on your sleep hygiene as well. You know, you need certain temperature, you want nice fresh bed, loads of little things. I never really thought about physical well-being being your surroundings. Yeah. Tangible things. Tangible, you know, like tangible things. things. And this is yeah. what I'm saying. So yeah, it, it helps if you can be active um, because ultimately you can't outrun a bad diet. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah, just being aware, like you say, of the, of the little things in your yeah. environment, the, the incremental changes that you can adjust uh, or, yeah. or make, sorry, that are going to have, um, a, you know, a, a much bigger impact. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's, there's been a study into air pollution, for example. I was literally just thinking oh, yeah. about air pollution. That is mad. So, so specifically, That's weird. specifically, there was a study into the effects of exposure to um, increased levels of um, diesel particulate matter, mm. such as nitrogen oxide, yeah. um, and increased use of mental health services for um, psychiatric conditions such as schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. It was a seven-year study. Um, and it was published in the seven-year study published. It was a correlational study published in the British Journal of Psychiatry. Yeah. Um, they used de-identified data from fourteen thousand individuals um, that had accessed or used the South London Maudsley NHS Trust. Yeah. And were living in in areas with high levels of particulate matter and um, high high levels of pollution. And they found yeah. that there was uh, an increased short and long-term correlation between living in those areas and accessing those services for psychiatric disorders such as schizophrenia. Yeah. The, the thought behind it, at least this is what the study says, is that the particulate matter in those areas is actually um, small enough to permeate the blood-brain barrier, which then it can get through to the neuroreceptors in the brain, inflame them, and that's what can cause um, psychosis, for example. So, yeah. That, that is similar. So I was thinking, um, you know, so loads of people with the cost of living crisis that's been going on, people are struggling with like heating bills and stuff. People have been starting to experience damp in their home mm -hmm. and it's making them physically unwell, like chronically unwell. Mm -hmm. That is bringing them down, like they're down, you know, it's de depressing and, and things like that. Um, and I was thinking, like one of the changes that I made, we just bought a, a dehumidifier for the flat recently because we don't have good vents. There's no windows in our bathroom. Um, and I'm starting to notice damp and, and I'm like, oh God, it's we can't afford. It's quite easy to build up then, isn't it? It's, it's really bad. The washing and the air just, it was, we're cold all the time. It just, it was bringing us down. We got a dehumidifier from this is like the homemaker in me i'm buzzing because the washing is drying four or five hours i'm like yes we, we don't have to wait five days for the washing to dry you know out on a, on a maiden anymore the the air quality feels better we don't feel like we're constantly you know like got something sat on our chest like chesty cough and sure. struggling to breathe because that's what it was starting to get like and if that was like just, somebody taking a weight off your uh, yeah it's been and again i've never really thought about that but it was it was I mean, you know, see the seasons changing can affect you in multiple ways. You know, I wasn't not been getting enough sunlight and stuff. But since we got that dehumidifier, it was only a couple, two, three weeks ago. Like everything felt lighter in the flat, yeah. and I don't know if sometimes it's a bit psychosomatic. You're like, ah, I can breathe, and life is great. Um, and even things like the washing's not out for four days, drying, smelling of damp, things like that. Well, but they can really play into things. Yeah. So two things there. I do have a really well. 
I think it's funny. Um, it's a funny story about a washing line and clothes drying. That's okay. It's just for me traveling up and down, um, you don't always get the time turnaround wise to, uh, to to dry your clothes, to wash yeah, and yeah, dry yeah, your clothes. Yeah. And um, fairly recently, I was I was in that situation where I had a, a quick turnaround and I had to drive. There was, there was like a five hour drive from where I live in in Gloucester up to Newcastle. And oh the stuff we get you driving all over the place, don't we? Yes, Thank you, Matt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was all over the place, and I ended up having to. I had some string because I was using it for a thumbnail. I ended up having some string and I had to tie it across the back of my car and use. Oh my <laughs> god! So you've got like the, I took a picture. Right, there's a picture of me and um, basically a washing line of stuff on there in my car. <laughs> I mean, it dried. It worked. Yeah, <laughs> that was brilliant. But I also, I also wanted to pick up on what you said about the um, the psychosomatic responses. Yeah. Um, you know the psychosomatic responses. So that that link between what's going on in your head and then mm. how that can affect you physically. And and there was another study um, actually in that same book, Finding Inner Safety, and she talks about how unsafety is ma measured in the lab and the psychosomatic responses to stress. So if we talk about the physical environment, if you're in a stressful environment, an environment that your body feels either consciously or unconsciously unsafe, such as a really stressful, high pressure working environment, yeah. there is a psychosomatic response to that. And uh, the lab um, kind of tests that were done, that were done on people that were kind of living and working in you know, um, investment banking firms and hedge funds and, and things like that, you know, stressful, high pressure environments. And yeah. they found that there was, in all of these people, a correlation that um, from working in those environments, they had, um, well, they, they described it as truncal thickening. Called what? Truncal thickening. It's another okay. way of saying truncal. that they had an excess layer of oh, fat right. that had formed Ooh. around their stomachs because the excess truncal <laughs> thickening. I mean, it's the That's horrible. Yeah, tr oh. yeah, because of your trunk. I mean, yeah. it's yeah, it's, it's a clinical way of saying that they had an excess layer of fat form yeah. around their stomach because the psychosomatic response was the body on a sort of subconscious level just recognised, hey, I'm in an unsafe physical environment. So how can I protect myself? It's almost like a layer oh. of armour. Yeah, and that's because of the excess levels of cortisol from oh, the stress. Yeah. yeah. Cortisol. I feel we hundred percent need to have another um, another episode, and you come back for that because sure. cortisol. And it's, I think purely for selfish reasons, I am so fascinated um, with this. It feels like a phenomenon on social media at the moment, mm -hmm. and I feel like it's talking to you. know when We were saying about the universe talking sure. to you. Everything like cortisol. It's, Do you struggle with this, this, and I'm like, yeah, that's me. Like everything, and I'm like, actually, there may be something to this. So stress and cortisol and um, general fatigue and well-being and stress, anxiety, depression, so on. Sure. Um, I am absolutely fascinated with what that means and how that can impact a lot of people. And I think a lot of people that are listening would be interested. In. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's either the universe listening to you or yeah. your phone, or, or it's either the universe listening to you or your phone. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? One of, <laughs> one one of the, of the two. Other, yeah. the, the interesting thing about cortisol is that um, I'm, not, I'm not sure how many people know this, but it, it's it's known as the stress hormone. It actually yeah. gets a bad bit of a bad rap because yeah. that same cortisol is used to wake you up in the morning. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But there are about imbalances, or supposedly imbalances within people that it's just not. It's almost like it's not being used in the right way all the time. It's not. It's not doing what it needs to do in the right way all the time. It's still getting you up in the morning, but it it's maybe not. It's like it's not a full. Um, Full capacity. It's getting you up in the morning, but it's getting you up groggy. Yeah, sure. And 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 you, you know, uh, narky and moody and mardy and stuff like that in the morning. So you, it's still doing like half a job. Mm -hmm. um, and I just watching so many videos about balancing out your cortisol levels. So they're working at optimum 
um, optimum speed, optimum efficiency and, and stuff. So I think that's another fascinating thing. Again, we could just, there's so many elements of physical well-being yeah, we've touched on, but we should definitely make an agenda mm -hmm. for the next things to talk about and get you back again. Because I really, I want cortisol to look at. I want to do more, I think, about circadian rhythm circadian as well. Rhythm, I think yeah, there's, because I, I, I'm fascinated by circadian rhythm as well. And a lot of the counselors, my, my counseling colleagues, they talk about it a lot as well. And I think that is a huge part of overall well-being as well that's never really talked about. And we've touched, you, you briefly mentioned it before, and I think listeners will be intrigued with that. So I think we should look at circadian rhythm, we'll look at cortisol, um, sleep hygiene in more detail as well because that is just again so underestimated undervalued as well there's you know people that get go to sleep they think that they've nailed their well-being approach because yeah they're getting up at five every morning and um, to go for their run and what, what have you or go to the gym but mm -hmm. are they are they getting good quality sleep there so they think they've nailed life sure but are they actually verging on burnout and stuff because the quality of the sleep? Exactly. You know, no, no kind of element of um, well-being, as we mentioned already, kind of stands on its own. And um, yeah, definitely let us know in the comments section what you'd like <laughs> us to know, what you'd like us to cover next I've never said that actually in yeah. one of these. You see, you're a tr true YouTuber. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to get there. Hit subscribe. Hit subscribe. <laughs> Look, did you look into the I, camera I, I, I and say I that? I didn't say, I'm looking now, hit subscribe. <laughs> well, I, I think you definitely come back um, and we'll we'll talk again. I think we'll, yeah, we'll talk more about circadian rhythm, explain what that is. Let's look at stress and um, cortisol levels mm -hmm. and sleep hygiene. Absolutely. I think it's like we've almost, we're about to start like a mini series here on this. I think we've touched like high level about physical well-being and I, I would, um, I think a lot of people will be really keen to, because I, it's more selfish, I'm, I want to know more. Um, okay, right, so let's summarise some takeaways, because we've gone all around the houses, yes. round the avenue, down the street, come back round again. But it's a conversation about holistic wellbeing, so that's, Correct. that's okay. So what would you say, so if someone listening to this right now, mm -hmm. um, they don't know where to start, they think that physical wellbeing is a huge mountain that they need to climb metaphorically and maybe physically as well mm -hmm. um, where can they start what do they need to bear in mind and how can you make the listener feel that it's not this huge what does you say huge elephant that you have to eat yeah yeah okay so start off small because yep. like you say you can't eat an elephant yep. all at once yeah um, start before you're ready and that's it yeah. yeah start off small start before you're ready and um, Attach your accountability to things that are bigger than yourself, whether it's, uh, you know, looking good on the, on the beach for your next kind of summer holiday, whether it's a, a wedding or a bridesmaid dress that yeah, you want to look good yeah. in, um, whether it's a, a new suit that you've brought and you think, hey, it's going to look good, but actually the, the, the smaller one's better. Whatever it is, make sure that you've got different things that you can kind of attach your accountability to. It might yeah. be that you put um, something on the side of a fridge that you can kind of mark off and you've got yeah, an incentive that you say, right, once that's done, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mm -hmm. buy myself this, um, or, or any of the other things that we've mentioned. Attach yeah. your accountability to something that's bigger than yourself. Yeah. It, again, it could be like you mentioned with yourself, like for, um, you know, enhancing the quality of your relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms yeah. of involving other people. Yeah. Um, I also think it's important as well, just on the flip side of that, to uh, internalize your anchors of safety. Anch yep. Um, and that's. Could be another topic in and of itself. But yeah. In in a nutshell, what I'm trying to say is, it's very easy to um, 
you know, attach the meaning of things to things that are outside of your control. In which case, it's very easy to then be kind of knocked off your pedestal when those things yeah, are outside yeah. of your control, yeah. then start doing things that are outside of your control, right? Yeah. So whether it's the news, whether it's social media, whether yeah. it's your neighbors, whether it's yeah. your, your colleagues at work, like none of that's in your control. So f start off small, start off before you're ready, attach your accountability to things that are bigger than yourself and really make sure that your anchors of safety are internalized. Perfect summary there. Yeah. Well, brilliant. Definitely coming back, yeah. Excellent. You're on, you're on, you're recording. You're definitely going to agree to come back and do another episode Absolutely. with me. Amazing, thank you. Uh, brilliant. We'll see you again soon. Yes, thank you. Well.